and my white skates, you 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 I ride in my white skates, I side in my white skates, all on the wheel when I grind in my white skates, that's me in my white skates, I'm clean in my white skates, touching DVDs and magazines in my white skates, I ride in my white skates, I side in my white skates, all on the wheel when I grind in my white skates, that's me in my white skates, I'm clean in my white skates, touching DVDs and magazines in my white skates. That was White Skates by Vinnie Minton. I once uh, saw Vinnie Minton briefly. We were standing outside of uh, Barnburner in like 2007. It was me, Todd, Josh Silver, and there was this shorter person walking very quickly through the crowd with like walking with good style on a mission and like rammed into like the side of me and blew past and looked down and Todd and I looked at each other. Was that Vinnie Minton? You realize how short most uh, pros are, and I don't know if in Canada we're taller, but short, very good style. Tall. Some tricks are easier, but most of the time, you know, having having a size nine foot, or you know, like if you have a, like a size seven or eight foot, and you're very short, you have pretty good style just by the way everything worked out. So that's my Vinnie Minton story. And that's the only time I ever went to a comp uh, in the United States. Man, that was a serious atmosphere. Holy crap. Good advice from um, Ezekiel Anderson though, where I was like, Coming from um, Canada and being so far outside of all that stuff, I I think I mentioned to him like it's so serious. The atmosphere is so serious here, and you have to remember that time it's skating two thousand six or seven. There still would have been you know like quite a few pros were skating really hard. They had something to prove, and he said just do shit you know you could do. And I did a swivelly a wheel swivelly 360 thing to freestyle Macchio and Eric Shrine gave me props thank you Eric Shrine that was a good show of character um, because <laughs> that was yeah that was a super serious atmosphere Whew. those contests in the states rollerblading was serious business but the level of skating was very high so and the average height was well below uh, six feet. Anyways, this is How to Be Unpopular podcast number 236. Thank you for joining me. As always, this uh, podcast is brought to you by nothing. And um, if you want to support the podcast, you can stare off into the distance while you're at work and think about skating or just stare into nothing and imagine skating. Lucy, 
I'm talking about really serious stuff here. Can you stop barking? And um, make sure and uh, like and subscribe to nothing as they've been here the whole time for us. This podcast, big supporters, always been here. I would like to talk. The last podcast was heavy on the uh, just skate tech stuff. So this one, I'm hoping to do mostly talk about video and how it's changed and the whole idea of a full length video and all of that. I remember there was a podcast that I did with Kevin Yee a while back. And I can't remember if I asked him or we were just asking the question because we were both have that kind of personality where you just ask questions as a statement, if that makes any sense. But I may, I may have asked him, you know, why do we make edits and videos? And it, it's such an interesting question when you think about it. Originally, I guess the first videos were to show what was happening. Um, it was a way to uh, broadcast what was happening in California, I guess, was the main spot. There was other places in the world where they were doing it, but these the first broadcast, the most important ones in the early versions of the sport, came out of California. Um, and around there, you know, there would have been Dare to Air and Mad Beef, The Hoax, the first VG, which I think was just called, VG1 was just called Video Groove. Bottom line, and you know, similar cast of characters would have had Brooke and Arlo, um, Chris Edwards, a lot of those names. And the, the low cost of making a video in the early 90s allowed there to be these VHS tapes that got sent out to shops in the early days of rollerblading. And then if you go back to um, one of my favorite, I have all these little favorite YouTube clips that I watch, and one is of uh, Glenn Plake, the famous skier with the mohawk, talking about the origin of um, his thoughts on modern ski films and the origin of ski films. And he said the similar thing. It was like the original ski films were to show people what happened on the mountains that wouldn't normally go to the mountains. So how I got into skating was, I mean, the moment that really clicked for me was when I was in a sports shop in Kamloops, you know, like a hockey equipment, sports equipment. It was a play against sports. And I saw Dave Kalash doing the 394 foot rail slide. It was Chad Watson who worked at the shop. I was a hockey player. He showed me that one shot and then there was a wall of like Kryptonics wheels and Sonic grind plates. And it was a window into this world that was so much more exciting than playing ho hockey was exciting. The speed of it was good. Teamwork, there's good things that you learn from playing a sport like that. But having a window into this world through this VHS tape was incredible. And then when you actually, when you first get to rent a video and take it home, this little world, it became so addictive. Seeing Mad Beef, uh, Hoax 2, VG3, VG4, the bottom line, I mean, I still played hockey to a certain point, but these, this world, these 
things being broadcasted through these VHS tapes. It's always been so linked to skating from the very beginning. A lot of us are very first, Lucy, better not bark. Hey. A lot of us, the, the video part and the skating part is linked for a lot of people. For me, from the very, very, very beginning, the idea of creating a video world and filming skating and doing the act of skating, they were, they were almost always linked. There was always a camera from, from even the, the very, very, very beginning driveway P-Rail sessions or filming yourself do tricks to see what it looked like, filming with your friends, it just, that was part of it. Um, so that's the first why to make videos in it. It's in the early 90s, it was to show what was happening, this sport, a lot of that, a lot for a long time, it was to show what was happening, but then also became a promotional tool, tool a little bit, because there was a whole industry that came up. And it's funny to think about, VHS had a really solid run until about um, the words and uh, VG20 era. I can't remember if that, maybe like 2001 or 2002. It's a little cloudy. I don't have these dates written down, but it's funny to think of how long of a run VHS had. And then DVD had a short run because YouTube came out around, or started to rise around 2006. At least that's when I uploaded the first video to the mushroom blading YouTube account, which is like, it's crazy to think that's over a decade now that I've had an account on YouTube. So that DVD had such a short lifespan that you could kind of feel it speeding up to today where there are, there's so many outlets on time was so much slower. Cause we're talking pre cell phones would have been around. Um, even like when I graduated in high school, um, you just have to follow my scatterbrained organization here. In, in high school, when I would have graduated in 2000, it would have been weird. Like a couple people would have had cell phones. Their parents maybe would have got them cell phones to, uh, for when they're at a party or um, like a few people would have had them, but it wouldn't have been, they just would have been regular cell phones. Texting wasn't even a thing until the mid 2000s. Um, I don't even remember. I think I got my first quote unquote smartphone iPhone in like 2008 or something crazy, something really crazy. And even then I remember when my dad had the first iPhone, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was huge to be watching videos and YouTube and, and Facebook and all that. That wasn't even a big part of the first smartphones. So it's funny to think of how it went from this very slow process through VG and T-Bone and these big productions that had such an impact, coup d'etat, words, brain fear gone, Pat Lennon videos, USD tour video, the list goes on, smell the glove, these amazing uh, VHS and DVD, not as much, 
CDVD, the, the world's started to feel less important. I don't know why that is. There's still some great DVD releases like Them Apples and USD Tour Video. Smell the Onions, super underrated. Um, the Words DVD is great. There's a bunch of other ones. Those are just off the top of my head. Mm. Shock Video, classic, very hard to find. I'll have to pop that one in again. I don't even think that's online. That was one of the last really good DVD releases. Although there's lots, it's amazing how many uh, like full-length projects that, where so much energy gets put into them. This is kind of what inspired this podcast is the idea that um, there was a tweet from a documentary director, the guy who did American Juggalo and Florida Man, Sean Dunn. He, it, it really clicked with me because it reminded me of skate videos. He's like, if you're planning on making a documentary, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but it, he was basically saying, if you're planning on making a documentary, just remind yourself that nobody cares. And if you're fine with that, proceed. And I have this moment once in a while where I watch these incredible productions, whether it be rollerblading or skiing or skateboarding snowboarding i'm a grom like across the board i follow rollerblading and skiing closer than than the other sports but i watch some of these full-length productions and i'm not talking about the big fucking bloated sorry for my language the big uh bloated like shoe company or the big productions i'm talking about some of the smaller, more underground productions. I don't know if underground is really, I guess there's still niche within skateboarding. There's definitely niche within skiing. And uh, you realize that in the grand scheme of things, nobody cares, really. It's still people playing with uh, human movement devices, uh, toys for adults, where they can do their little tricks and they're in the streets or whatever filming stuff. But the effort that is still put into these productions when the numbers of people watching them have gone less and less and less and people are more, uh, their attention spans are getting shorter and nobody could have predicted that we went from people filming, you know, videos over a two or three year period that that was the way you got your information. You waited for a VHS in the mail and you got your information through magazines and videos of that was your broadcast of how things were happening to just like this giant puke of content. Nobody could have predicted that Instagram would say, you know what? It was surprising when they did 15 second videos because how Vine was doing six second videos, Instagram was like, we're going to do 15. And then I remember the day when I went to work, I had this reaction and I don't think anybody knew what the hell I was, uh, I had this look on my face. I think I read the, the headline on some tech website and I was like, Oh my God, I may have been sharing an office with somebody. Yeah. I was probably sharing an office and I was Instagram just changed so you can have a minute video. And I had that face where it's like, do you realize what this means as somebody who uh, 
was introduced to Instagram maybe like a year or two before that. I can't remember. I was late to the Instagram game. But when I realized that Instagram was going to be doing one-minute videos, I knew that that was going to just change it, everything. It, and, and it was exciting. But now we all know that we don't, when we get given these things from the tech gods, YouTube and Vimeo and uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Vine, we still don't know the extent of we've been, we have these tools and sometimes you get a feel of, of how you or what you want to use and what you don't want to use. You don't have to use all of them, how you use this, how you don't, Snapchat, Instagram stories. All this stuff, I really do think that the one minute Instagram video was a pretty, cr and Facebook pushing video more, not only was the full length, the idea of having a full length video experience, which, cause you could still buy stuff on iTunes too. I try and watch the bigger productions that get released for some of the uh, skateboarding and skiing, snowboarding. I try and keep up on like the big budget stuff that gets release on iTunes just to see what they're trying to do. But in the end, I honestly think it's just the same within skating or, or whatever sport. It's just a niche group of people. I, I guess on iTunes, they have a larger audience of people watching these productions, but in, in, especially in rollerblading, Nobody outside of our little circle really cares, <laughs> like the Sean Dunn quote, nobody cares about if we make a, a full-length video. A lot of people who are probably younger people right now might not even know what the hell a full-length video means. It's a byproduct of what we grew up with. Or if you're 30 or older or maybe mid-20s, that we we have this these rose-colored glasses for the for the full-length video and with good reason there's a I had a a little post about it where the the ritual and the tradition and the process of making a full-length video I think regardless of what sport you're doing that almost matters more than the actual final product probably for every sport um, there's still those like it, it's insane watching things that are overproduced to me that um, I think there's some great documents that were had a little bit slicker productions. Um, if you ever watch Blizzard of Oz, which definitely influenced Hoax 2, which those two are, those two feel like bigger budget or s slicker produced in a good way. Whereas, um, you know, there's only so many helicopter and super clean HD images I can watch. It doesn't feel like how the sport feels when you're out in the streets. So I can see why things like the VX and um, the Panasonic, what is it? HVX? No, not HVX. DVX. Why those cameras still... You see, and this is what I struggle with. 
do I have rose-colored glasses on? Do, do people who use the VX and the DVX, is it we're, we're not accepting that everything has changed? Or is the full-length video or working on a longer project still important? I, I think regardless of what camera you film with, I think those little videos that only a few thousand people are going to see that some people got together and cared a lot to make this underground piece of video art or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that I love that idea still. I love the idea that people care enough to go completely outside of um, making a big budget production or putting it on iTunes. People are putting stuff out for free that they work for two years on. I still love it. And I'm sure they love the process. I think a lot of people are addicted to the process of putting something together o over a large period of time, that it still has value to work on something. Although it's so funny that there's these things at our fingertips, like you can release footage at any time and get instant little dopamine hits of likes and comments. Um, and the other problem is that people, the the broader audience outside of maybe the few thousand people, or maybe it's, maybe it's even like a few hundred people. Maybe it's like 50 people in the end who are actually gonna sit down, turn the lights off, make sure they have headphones or good sound and fully engross themselves into a world that somebody has spent some time creating. That a lot of people just don't uh, take that moment to, okay, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna sit down and I'm, I'm gonna experience this world that this person's created. Uh, Blade Runner was a very good example of that. But I mean, if you go to a theater, it's easier to have a powerful experience. But I was so used to watching all these, um, com these loud comic book movies and movies that just are focus group to death and just some of the big budget action sports films feel like the comic book movies where you've you've already seen it but you haven't seen it you know exactly what you're going to get blade runner was awesome that it was something that was big budget but it was quieter it wasn't afraid to be quiet and it took advantage of having a captive audience sitting in a theater it was great but i mean <laughs> People aren't going to watch your underground, quote-unquote, action sports. I hate using that term, but I guess I'm, that's, you know what I mean when I say action sports. You can't force people to have a Blade Runner-style experience with something you've created if you've spent two years on it. Um, so that idea of why do we make edits and videos, it's so broad now. Um, that you can still make, it's not gonna be the same as making a Mad Beef or a Dare to Air or a Hoax 2 or a Brain Fear Gone. And even if you did make something that was, that felt that, that, that it felt like you put that much effort into it, I don't think people really care. <laughs> people who are watching it don't care how much effort you put into it. It really comes down to the effort that they're gonna put into to have the experience. And even then, Within 
the filming of that, it comes down to the process. I mean, even just the idea of you can't you can't make a brain fear gone or a hoax too when people have fucking phones. Sorry, I swore again. Um, when people have phones, it's just the world is very different now. Um, that the reason we make videos and edits is so broad. It's beyond here's there is still the here's this world we've created. We've created this video world that you should experience and really uh, slow down and engross yourself in. And then there's also here's some shit we filmed today. Here's some more shit we filmed today. Here's some more shit we filmed today. Um, which is kind of, and and the problem is, I think there's a lot of people who treat it the same way. Um, that if you download a VOD, well, that's another thing. It's crazy to think that we're just kind of like a few thousand thirty-somethings uh, showing each other our videos we made or making VODs for each other. VODs are just reaching exactly the same people. They're not reaching a broader audience. And I guess edits can reach a broader audience, but VODs are, are great because it kind of, uh, it's kind of us saying, well, even if we put this out, like even if I worked on something for a couple of years and put it out, the same people would watch it anyway. So if I put it VOD, yeah, it's like a few thousand, I swear, a few thousand people, a few thousand diehards that love doing tricks on dryland ice skates. Uh, that's great, though, because the freedom that you have to create within that world, knowing that you're not trying to make anything for wider. You, who is going to stumble across a VOD? Like who, <laughs> when you post, like our new VOD is out on Facebook, the people that you work with that don't care at all about skating, like 99% of the world, doesn't matter what sport you do, they don't, they don't give a shit about if you can do cool tricks on rollerblades. It just does not matter. So I think that's great because it frees up a lot of creativity when you make a VOD or, or if you spend two or three years on a project. I think a lot of people who are making them know that it's for a very specific audience and they know that for the most part, nobody cares. Maybe there's people out there who actually think that uh, this is the one, this video, once people see it, even though it's VOD, once people that don't skate download it and watch it this is the one that's gonna the, bring rollerblading back into the limelight i mean people who weren't interested in rollerblading before this is the video i know it is i put two years into it like they gotta watch it and they gotta see i hope that most people involved in rollerblading now making vod's know that it's you're just kind of showing it to the same audience of a few thousand people. It really is, for VODs it's a few thousand people. Outside of VOD, it's a few tens of thousands of people maybe, probably. Um, and then there's stuff outside of that. There's things that go, God, I hate this word, viral. Uh, there's just the constant puke on Instagram. And hey, I've experimented with every format. 
and I am ready to retract back into um, the full-length world and not um, inundate these poor souls with consistent video. Um, blade practice is going to be capped at 35 and I think I'm going to do one more solo session and as soon as um, 2018 hits there will be working on something new which is exciting because I there's only so much that you can just keep I'm a I'm 35 and it's at the point where there should be like these young crews all over the world that know that I'm super lame and and redefining the sport and rewriting it. You see it in skiing. That's why I really like the energy around skiing. There's these young crews. There's the bunch and that video that just came out, Eat the Guts, like young people who are making stuff with their friends and they're completely redefining the sport and what you can do uh, on the technology. That's not the right word. On the devices or the toys or whatever. You'd see it in... Um, rap music too the whole like soundcloud rap thing there's just these young people coming in and just taking the rule book completely throwing it out and there's all these grumpy old men being like oh, it was like this or it's supposed to be like this and i love that idea we don't really have that we kind of have that but um i shouldn't i shouldn't have a place in continually making stuff and I don't know I think there's a flaw that we're just a bunch of there's a high amount of uh, of that was the dog doing a little snoring um, that there's a high level of 30 and 35 year olds doing this activity that we're just kind of like uh, we're carryover from the aggressive inline generation so you get a lot of um, you know we're older we're a little bit lamer. Um, we're into the technology side. We're into talking about nerdy stuff. And, uh, you know, we can be core if we really want, if we try really hard. But it, it, it's super lame if, if you try and be core. I, don't, I, I think 35 is the cutoff point. I, don't, I, I think you just have to accept that you're an older, lamer person. And you hope that there are younger generations to just completely uh, do their own thing and you just have nothing to do with it. Which is why, um, actually it was, it was Program and uh, that ski video, Eat the Guts, that has inspired me to, to work on something for a longer period of time and try, try not to um, be a part of the constant puke of uploading skating all the time. It's fun though, like when you're, when you have the nine to five job and you only have little bits of time to skate, it's uh, the, being in the stream is addictive. Getting those dopamine hits, getting those likes. Also just the practice of it was really fun. That's why it was called blade practice. And a side note on that, uh, doing, this was the first year where instead of wreck skating, I, I solely skated a lot of park 
and just worked on doing tricks and movements over and over and over again. It felt like a hockey shift where uh, I got in really good shape from trying something over and over and over again without taking a break. Like I wouldn't stop when I filmed those things. I would just keep going and placing the camera in a new spot and just go, 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 go. No breaks over a two or three hour period of time. And I was in some of the best shape, better shape. My cardio was really good when I did lots of rec skating, but in terms of like skating muscles and flexibility and tricks and ideas, this was a really good year because I just focused on doing tricks and movements. And uh, I think yoga is great and stretching is great, but regular skating, I learned a lot that um, it goes a long way just to skate once or twice a week and no breaks really when you're trying to get something just you just don't really stop as soon as you stop you lose the flow at least that's what it was like anyways yeah there was this uh one of the beastie boys on youtube was talking about um it's not his place to ha to uh to be a part of new music or have an opinion on new music or listen to new music because he's like he would be like the old lame guy at the at the club and he was talking about why he loves rap music is because there's young people who come in and redefine it and make it their own thing we have it a little bit with skating but again the energy of skating skiing is way more exciting to me because I can feel it way more than that, but it doesn't mean I can I can't draw inspiration from that into skating. But again, I think um, I have maximum respect. I really like people who work on longer projects or or put something out um, that they work on for a long time now. And I think as the years go on, we'll have more respect and appreciation. There will be things that rise to the top or that you go back and look to whereas like posting a little bit of skating to uh instagram or, or facebook or whatever i don't think you don't really go back to those things so i hope rose glasses rose colored glasses on or off i hope that um the full length video as a ritual and tradition and process just continues to go. And it's not, I don't think it's going anywhere. If you watch, the program was amazing. Um, the first time I watched it, I got this vibe that I was being cool guide a little bit. And then the second time I completely enjoyed it. And it was because of the lack of smiling. Uh, there needed to be more smiling. But then again, I don't think I, should have an opinion and then the second time it was amazing that world was very inspiring it was the it was that video and and eat the guts that ski video that just came out by hg skis that it was a bunch of it was a crew they filmed for two years their other video is incredible children of the guan if you like um if you like pat lennon and joe navran joe nav videos uh, definitely watch that. And program was amazing. Was an amazing um, example of so many 
little bits and pieces of skating smashed into something that was presented, filmed really well, edited really well, the soundtrack was good, the variety of skaters was amazing. Um, Old, like, traditional good style, throwing out tradition, giving, making you feel so many things while you watch it, um, inspiring you to go skate, uh, the selections, the of tricks, the music, the spots, the world, everything. It was really good, and it's and it's crazy that uh, Gold Golden Crib came out in the same year too. Two banger Danny beer sections. Shit. Danny has a way of mixing the it's athletically incredible. It has good style and steezy. It's difficult and it's funny. He mixes all this stuff together into his skating and it's I can't believe he's hit this other level where Every you're wondering what's gonna happen when you watch a Danny Beer section now, or even when you watch him skate in person. There's you're consistently surprised, and it's such a good mix of uh, it. It feels it feels like futuristic uh, rollerblading, and it feels distinctly rollerblading. Um, and again, a lot of the really the great. Uh, rollerbladers have come from hockey that you could so easily see Broskow, Danny Beer and Haffy and a few others that came from hockey you could see them like doing the interview which they fucking did for another great full length video, watch the game uh, he, did, he did the interview you can see that like while he skates anyways And program and eat the guts great examples of uh, respect to the tradition of of a full-length video regardless of if anyone actually cares or not you could tell that it was more about the process of making it and putting it together for the people I try and follow the other, all the other sports as much as possible. There's some that I don't know a lot about, um, like snowboarding and mountain biking. I don't know a ton about, but skateboarding, skiing, actually BMX not so much, and rollerblading. Uh, it's funny, there's almost the exact same conversation running across all sports not so much in mountain biking i've seen but there's this creativity and fun and people just making stuff and uh there's a there's some disregard for traditional um tricks and styles and i've i swear i've i've read the same argument uh, about old and new with every sport and uh, I don't think there's any right answer I think that it's reaching this point point where things are just getting more open and diverse like the world is I think we all get attached to the idea of what we think our 
sport activity art whatever is there's a lot of uh people who are who are offended because there's so much media and so much different stuff being made and so many different outlets for it uh it's easier to get your vision out which in turn you know you would think that if people are so passionate about a certain uh, period of skating they could go out and create that world again and if they're really into that world they can go out and create it do a do a reboot of uh early 2000s rollerblading and there's a lot of people who are really good at taking bits and pieces they like from different eras and trying to make something new out of it and it's completely open and there should be more people working on creating a world whether it's only a few hundred or a few thousand people watching it i remember getting so attached to the idea of uh a big wheels three and that the more I got attached to the idea of the video, the worse of an idea it was because I think a lot of the best, you get attached to the idea of big projects because they're the most exciting. Zone was supposed to be the last big video. That was supposed to be it. After that, I wasn't gonna make anything more. I maybe was gonna make some small edits here and there, but I can't, I thought I was done. I remember doing a podcast years ago where I said, I'm still not done yet with skating. I thought that I was going to be done with skating in maybe like my mid twenties where I was going to, um, like after better than baseball, I thought that was going to be it. And then there was going to be <laughs> no more big projects, but the idea of big skating projects are still so much more exciting to me than, than anything else, like creatively outside of the work that I do, the nine to five job. Um, that I thought I was going to be making movies or short films or something, but the the skating world, um, especially, not that I do it a lot, but I'm that's kind of what I want the next video to be is I love street skating videos. Could have a little bit of parking it, but going out into the streets and filming yourself doing a weird activity on a weird toy. And making a project out of it is still, that is still one of the most exciting things to me. You put music to it, you meet weird characters, it's, there's improv, there's, it's so exciting. I think by the time I make a movie, I might be in my 50s, but that'll be good. I'll have lots of experience by that point. And I'll probably have a good idea of um, not making any, anything bad. First one would probably be bad, who knows. Yeah, I get so attached to the idea of big projects still. So regardless of if like beyond nobody actually caring, there might even be within the group that I think might care. A lot of people won't care within that group, but the process and the ritual and the tradition of making a full length video, which is such a funny like a full length video. It's so weird that we say that it's just as dumb. Like you hear in industries, I hope they're working on a full length and it's like, they should make a full length video because me and like a few other people think that they should make a full length or it's the same thing as when you hear so-and-so should get a pro skate. Cause there's like me and a couple of my buddies think that they should have a pro skate. <laughs> there's these absurd, 
uh, carryovers that we have from uh, the 90s and early 2000s. I guess a pro skate or shoe or boot or ski or board, I guess they still... It's just funny when you hear people say it. Like, such and such should totally... They need to make a full length... Sometimes people talk like it's not the exact same group of people who are buying the products and watching the videos. It's I swear it's, there's like, Frank Stoner had a, like a general, it's like a few thousand people on the large scale. It's like what? 40,000 people on a, on the scale of people who actually buy things. It's a few thousand or a few hundred. And, and lastly, I'll leave it on this. It's amazing how little the planet, at least in North America, there's people who go, like, there's giant marketing machines behind these comic book movies, and I'm a Star Wars Grom, I'll be going to Star Wars. Blade Runner, I was excited that it, it was a powerful experience in the theater, but it's amazing how little people care about the effort put into, um, TV shows and, and movies and how quickly they forget about them. I guarantee, like, there's people who go to see a movie that cost, like, hundreds of millions of dollars to make, and then they go home, they check some shit on their phone, or whatever, they watch some, watch, watch some shit on Instagram, look at some Facebook posts, get up in the morning, do some stuff, maybe they're, like, driving their car, walking through the parking lot, it's like, Oh yeah, I went to the the I went to the movie theater yesterday. I can't even really remember what movie I watched. That's kind of the world we live in now. That in previous years, this artifact of Mad Beef or Blizzard of Oz or Hoax Two, it's like this important. It's an artifact now. Back then, it was this this amazing world that you got that you were not going to forget about it and it's it would just it was all you wanted to watch and now we just have everything at our fingertips obviously you hear people say that all the time but it's the truth that i don't think there are things having an impact but on a smaller level and it really comes down to if the people are going to have a powerful experience or not it's amazing also how little people care about paying for for art and tv shows and movies and like, I remember I've heard people who are shocked when they found out that I rent stuff on iTunes and pay money for watching TV shows and, and um, movies and and music. Like, I have an e-music account and I Apple Music. Uh, there is a huge percentage of people in this town, in Kamloops, we have a 90,000 population. The amount of people that will just torrent uh entire tv shows that took months or or an entire year and giant budgets they'll just download it for free and watch it and pay no money and watch it in a weekend and treat it the same as like a cat video or uh, it's amazing how um it's just all become like you know entertain me entertain me entertain me that was great when's the next thing when's the next thing 
what, you have to film it over a year? I want to be able to download it for free after you film it an entire $200 million budget movie over the like I can't wait I need it now and uh, preferably free or uh, I don't know why it went in that direction well I do there's just a lot and uh, when it became digital I don't know there's that's a whole that's a whole academic thing that I don't want to get into but the fact that within these little uh cultures, sports, arts, whatever you want to call them, that there are people spending a lot of time to create these worlds and people are actually paying money or taking the time to sit down and have a powerful experience and have a discussion around it. I think that's amazing. And I think even if it's a few hundred people or a few thousand people, even if it's 10 or 50 people and you have a premiere you spend all this time making this thing and you show it I don't know I think there's still something important there not that everybody has to do it or not that you have to do it all the time but I think it has more value than the here's here are some clips from today or uh, those short little edits or um, yeah I don't think there's anything wrong with going back to working on something for for longer it'd be cool if the pendulum actually swung swung back more in that direction um, and it's less about money from a VOD or views and it's more about yeah it's about the process and the ritual and the tradition of working on something uh, more than the final product and the views and the money and I think that's good if we, if there are people who still care about that and want to have the experience within a little small group of people, I think that's great. So I've been very inspired, uh, particularly by Watch the Game, Golden Crib, Bunch, The Bunch, India Cash, Eat the Guts program. There's some other ones. Um, Be Inspired was really good. There was a bunch of, there was some from last year, definitely. And a lot of the times, you know, if it's really good, I'll watch it two or three or four times. But a lot of the times I watch things only once because there's so much. And even if it's a VOD and I, and I pay for it, I watch it once. But I still pay for it because it's insane to think about the amount of effort that it takes to make these things and how little people actually are in terms of like the population of the world that actually cares that someone made something, but then to think of the Seth Godin quote to that somebody cared enough to say, here, I made this and put it out. That's exciting. You know, just remember if you're starting something, nobody cares, but that's the best place to start from 